0: It's time for the VolQuest Podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Hey, good Tuesday morning, everybody. Welcome to the VolQuest Podcast, presented, as always, by our friends, Exterior Home Solution, trusted since 1999, local. If you need a garage maintenance done, siding, roofing, whatever that case may be, give Exterior Home Solutions a call today, 865-524-5888, exteriorhomesolutions.com. I'm Eric Cain alongside Brent Hubbs, Rob Lewis and Austin Price. A lot to get into today. The regular season has come and gone. Silly season is upon us. We're going to have a transfer portal window opening on December the 4th. You have these COVID seniors. Will they elect to leave? Will they elect to come back? Traditional recruiting 2024 cycle. That's nearing with national signing day on December the 20th. And then of course, Tennessee in the transfer portal to uh, going and incoming. So it's about to get wild here in this next month. And we're going to kind of lay that out for you all here today on the VolQuest podcast. But first, do want to look back at uh, a season-ending win, regular season-ending win, as Tennessee awaits its bold destination. But it was 48-24 over Vanderbilt. Awesome price. It was a win that Tennessee expected to have. It looked good doing it. And, of course, the star of the show was Joe Milton. But a lot of guys played well there. And a good win to end the regular season at home at Neyland Stadium.
1: Yeah, you know, a nice, solid win. It was never in doubt. You took care of business early. You got up 45 uh, to 10, and you led by five touchdowns, and then, you know, kind of sleptwalked through the end of the game, but, at the, at, you know, with the muff punt and letting them get a couple of cheapies late. But, you know, you, you do what you're supposed to do. Um, you know, Joe probably had one of his best games of his Tennessee career. I um, Granted, I mean, Vanderbilt's not very good, but, you know, he, he threw it, he ran it, he did a lot of nice things. He continues to bring along the – uh You know, those young sophomore receivers who continue to make a few plays here and there, and, you know, the tight ends continue to uh, be showcased, which, uh, you know, hey, Roger, Roger, we'll say we throw to the tight ends. Roger, come on home to Tennessee. That's I think that was the message Saturday. Um, And then Tennessee, you know, did enough in the run game. Um, They weren't the best we've seen all season, but they were solid.
0: You know, Rob, I I think something that was was neat about this game that we haven't seen an awful lot that's been – lacking from the prototypical Josh Heupel offense and what we've seen with this offense the last two years was explosive plays you know drive number one 56 yards to Romel Keaton uh, a couple drives later 34 yards to, to Jacob Warren later in the second half 46 yards to Romel Keaton all those went for touchdowns the explosive plays were there and as Austin pointed out you know the run game was good enough obviously but you know Vanderbilt was going to stop Tennessee's run game and force Tennessee to throw to win and Tennessee certainly did that. And welcome
2: back explosive plays. Yeah, and welcome back explosive plays in the passing game specifically. Yeah. I mean, because you know, we've seen, you know Jalen Rod, I'm, I'm sure we're going to talk about it has has made plenty of explosive plays in the ground game, but no, we have not seen that uh, through the air. And some I, I know we've all talked and written about you know the average yards per attempt has kind of been you know a red flag, something sort of a an indicator stat, I guess, for Joe when, when he, when he plays well. And, you know, when the Tennessee offense is humming, you know, against Kentucky it, it would be an example The first half against Alabama when that the yards per attempt was up closer to 10, you know, and when Tennessee's offense struggles, it's, it's been down around, around five. And, and obviously, you know, this past week, he, he was pushing the ball downfield for, from early in the game. And, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, but, but I, I enjoyed seeing Joe go out like that with, you know, Hitting some big plays, ringing up the scoreboard. Because you know, I, I've certainly questioned him. I know a lot of people have, and and you know, i I, I just I just thought it was cool for him to have it have a, a a good final day in Newland.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was it was better than good, Brandon. It was it was elite for that one game. I mean, he he had his best game of his career. Arguably, you and I talked about it on the rewind the other night. Arguably, his best throw in a Tennessee uniform that ten yard, you know, out <laughs> up to. Um, to McAllen Castle. It's just putting it right on the money, showed incredible touch, but Joe Milton accounted for six touchdowns. We've thrown the stat out a million times since the game, but the first time a Tennessee player has done that since Jonathan Crompton against Mountain Mountain Values, baby, Mountain Values. (laughs) Back in 2009, Joe Milton was really good, and as Rob said, that was good to see. Final home game at Neyland Stadium. Good to see for Joe Milton to uh, to go out like that.
3: Yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, Joe has Joe has done everything he can for Tennessee. He's not Hinden Hooker, Rob mentioned that in the 3-2-1, but that doesn't mean Joe is just, you know, awful and it's horrible quarterback play. He he's had some moments where it's not been real good and then he's had some other moments where it's been good and then he had a great moment. Everybody wondered when he was going to get a moment and uh, he had that against Vanderbilt. He played extremely well. Got off to the hot start. Uh, I think Vanderbilt helped him because they were committed to stopping the run early and, and that opened up the middle of the field and Tennessee got vertical and, and Joe started hot, ready to play. So uh, it is good to see. It's good to see, you know, there's a lot of guys in this program who, who have done a lot and, and Joe's a guy who quite frankly could have pouted when he lost his job. Um, and he didn't, he could have left. Uh, he didn't. Um, he, he, became, you know, he became a guy who helped Hendon Hooker become a better player the same way Hendon Hooker has helped Joe Milton become a better player. So Joe's been, Joe's been an asset to this program and it was nice to see him go out. It was nice to see Jacob Warren have a nice day and a bunch of other senior guys who have been around this program a long time to, to go out the right way. Um I guess the Vanderbilt team, it's not very good, but, but Tennessee was fun to watch right and nothing felt hard on saturday offensively and that's the first time we've seen that in in a few weeks because the last couple of weeks and it just felt really hard for tennessee to try to make a first down and
1: that wasn't the case on saturday so it felt a little more right well you knew it was going to be kind of that way anyway but you kind of got the assurances however that it was going to be that way when you know it was basically routes on air to ramel keaton on the you know second play of the game, whatever it was. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, well, you you knew we're not in, we're not in Kansas anymore after the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And I, I mean, I I mentioned this in the 10
3: things I I wrote on Sunday. I mean, I'm not sure what Vanderbilt's defensive structure was there. They had 10 guys in the box um, and and they left the wide side of the field one-on- one with Ramel Keaton. I mean, that's, that literally is basically routes versus air because he had so much room to work with there, but give Joe credit. He hit him in stride and got him off to a good start. And, uh, listen, it's a Vanderbilt team that wanted to go home, right? I, I mean, it was it, you know they had a long gear. It was very difficult for them. Um, you know, in Tennessee, you know got got started going early, and Vanderbilt mustered a little more than I thought probably they would. And then, as Austin mentioned, you got you got a couple of cheapies late that were just kind of irrelevant.
0: can't really say enough about Joe Melton, his performance in this football game. Uh, again, I mentioned the the the, the pass, but with we'll touch on it to McAllen Castles. Jacob Warren. You know, a guy screaming off the edge, you know, sidestepping, stepping stepping up, keeping his eyes downfield, delivering that ball. Uh, The throws to Romel Keaton, the first one in particular. I mean, it just looks so effortless uh, when you're going back and watching the the rewatch and the highlights. But, Rob, I guess another, you know, final highlight to to note from this game. Uh, Again, the run game wasn't a huge factor in this one, but after a slow start, meaning he didn't touch the football for the first six offensive snaps of the football game, took took until Series 3, uh, Jalen Wright's first three carries went for two yards. Then he had a strong second quarter. Does get past the 1,000-yard marker uh, for his season. And only on 136 carries at the time. He's been phenomenal for Tennessee. But uh, it's a big accomplishment for him. He could have got it way earlier if he if he got the touches of a true RB1. But a good accomplishment for him for this offensive line. And really for this program, just something else you can hang your hat on in terms of recruiting.
2: Yeah, for Jalen especially. You know a guy that you know i know ap was talking about last spring that that you know whispers around the program of, of what kind of a winner he had had what kind of off season he had had the work he was putting in and you know he didn't necessarily end last year as the clear-cut number one but boy it was it was definitive you know in august that, that he was the clear-cut you know number one running back in that room and that's no disrespect to anybody else um and, and the numbers speak for themselves you know eric you touched on it with, with the amount of carries that he had but um you know, I don't want to still hover, stunder because I know he spent all day Sunday digging these up. But just a wildly productive day every year for a guy who who didn't have a lot of opportunities, considering how productive he was.
3: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, you're talking about third guy in school history to average over seven yards a carry in a single season. Um, he's had a great run, and, and Tennessee fans, Austin, I hope have appreciated what, what he's done for Tennessee this year. Uh, He he became kind of the bell cow for Tennessee while they were finding their way through a passing game. And um, I I hope Tennessee fans have enjoyed it because he's been fun to watch. I would be surprised if he's back and and playing at Tennessee another year or even in the bowl game. But he was was a large chunk of what Tennessee was offensively through the middle part of the season uh, where Tennessee was trying to find their way in the passing game. A
1: thousand percent. Not just a hundred percent. A thousand percent. I mean – I think it's easy to gloss over kind of how quick his careers went by because, you know, he, he arrived kind of he was recruited during that COVID cycle, and then was kind of you know, you know a reserve until this year, and all of a sudden it was like boom, you know, and and you know he didn't get a ton of carries, and I'd say the rotation probably drove you know the fans and some of us crazy, just how they rotate him because you know you're like man I'd love to see this guy get 30 carries and see what he can do. Um, but would he be the same player if he got thirty carries? I mean, maybe, maybe not. I mean, I think you know part of his, you know, impact is being able to you know be super fresh. The, the big runs that he had near the back end of the season, where he pulled away not not just from a couple of low level opponents, but you know, pulling away from the Georgia secondary. I mean, those are, are money making runs. Um, you know, and, and Jalen, you know, I think really uh, for a kid that doesn't, uh, he kind of always looks like he's mad. You go back when we met him and his dad Curtis over in North Carolina. He always just kind of looks like he's mad. Um, but he's not. He's a great kid. I mean, you know, I really enjoyed having him on ball club confidential earlier in the year. And, you know, this is a kid I think that, you know, will only get better. He didn't play a ton in high school, hover. He's not got, you know, that many carries in college. And he's just 20. He's 20. Hey, he's healthy too. He, he can't even buy a beer yet on his own. <laughs> and so, like, when you think about that, like NFL teams are gonna salivate. He's young. He doesn't – you know, he's still got a ton of tread on the tires. He's not had very many carries. I mean, he he's a perfect guy for the NFL teams to fall in love with, and he's going to test out the roof, in my opinion.
3: Well, I mean, first of all, he's, he was grumpy that day in North Carolina because you made him run that same drill like 18 times to get the shots you wanted. And That's not crazy. true. That's it was not windy true. and rainy that day. I was grumpy because I was, I was cold, freezing, trying to get back to the car, and you wanted –
1: you wanted the hero you shot, but you know Curtis and I have similar personalities. We're kind of fun loving, laugh, and you and Jalen kind of have. Uh,
3: we're we're about we're about like can we go to the car at this point in time? Uh, but no, I, I think Rob, when you look at him from an NFL perspective and you see where the NFL game is right now, I don't know that he's going to be a super high draft pick because I don't think running backs are. But when you look at his skill set with where offensive football is in the National Football League. It seems like it's got a chance to be a pretty good marriage.
2: Yeah, I, w- I would think so. I mean, just, you know, people are going to look at his size, I guess. But, um, man, I mean, you, you see, exa- I don't know exactly how tall the, the kid is for um, the Chiefs, Pacheco. I know, you know, you look at San Diego, Austin Eckler. Uh, and, and I'm not saying Jalen Wright's going to be these guys, but phys- physically, there's there's not, you know, you just can't look at him and say, oh, you know, guys that, that size aren't making the league because they are. There's a lot of examples. And, and and I think just with his burst, his his you know explosion, um acceleration, just the you know jitterbug, it's I I think he's going to be a, a really nice niche player in 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 the NFL and and have a nice career.
3: And, and color be dumb here. Does does anybody think that he can he's somewhat similar to a guy like DeAndre Swift for the Eagles? Swift's five nine, two hundred and fifteen pounds is a guy who's much better going outside than he is running inside, but but certainly has a role on, on a really good team, obviously. And I'm not saying he's DeAndre Swift, but, I mean,
1: physically he's built a lot like DeAndre Swift in a lot of ways. Is he not? I mean, he's like five ten and a half, and and, you know, about 210, 212. Yeah, so like he's that. right there.
3: Yeah, he's I mean, right there with him size-wise.
1: Now, I think he's probably more of an inside runner than he is an outside runner. Um, you know, I, I think he's a little tougher runner than DeAndre Swift. But, I mean, I, I – you know, I think Swift probably slides and is more shifty than Jalen okay. is. And my just watching them both play.
0: Something I think he's gotten better at this year is his vision, his patience. I mean, the, finding the cutback lane, finding the crease. And then of course the speed that he's always had, once you get to the second layer and you break it and you get you outrun the third layer. And we saw that against Georgia. And, and so he used to want to just run out. So Josh Hobbs mentioned this several times. He used to just want to be a scat bag and get get to the perimeter, get to the outside. You know, last year a little bit, and specifically this year, I think he's looked really good in between the tackles. So his skill set, again, not a whole lot of tread on the tires. He was injured early in his career, you know, battling to- turf toe. I think it was a hip a little bit last year. AP where he missed all fall camp, and so I mean he was he was healthy this year, and of course you saw the the fruits of that labor. Uh, that kind of leads us into I would, this next.
1: Before we go in further. I was looking this up. His running style reminds me more of an Aaron Jones with Green Bay. That that, that that's who I would like in him too. And Aaron Jones is five nine, so James is a little taller, but about two ten, so similar size.
0: Kind of kind of leads us into our next conversation, and we got a whole lot to get to here on this show, but frequently asked questions, you know, <laughs> Instagram stalking, the rumor mill is swirling. It's Dylan <laughs> Sampson. Um Similar story to last year, right? I mean, Jalen Roth, there were some questions about that. This era in college football, teams can get in contact with players through third parties. Will he stay? Won't he stay? Austin Price, I know you put an updates on the side, the GQ Sunday night, but, you know, Dylan Sampson feels like Tennessee knows he's going to be RB1 next year, and we'll we'll make that known.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think that, you know, you you can't discount anything in this era. Like, you know, like kids that, you know, I think would be 100% locks, they're probably only – 85% locks, like, you know, like Dylan Sampson's a perfect example. Like, I don't think you can say with 100% certainty that he wouldn't throw himself in the portal, um, you know, and and take a shot. But I I think he knows kind of his value here. I think he knows kind of where he stands as far as the pecking order heading into next year. And, you know, I think, you know, right now, you know, (laughs) providing the Jabari that, you know, goes on and and so does, you know, Jalen. You know, you're looking at Dylan Sampson as running back one and, and Cam Selving as, as 1A um, or 1A, 1B, whatever you want to call it. I mean, um, you know, Dylan Sampson's a guy that, you know, Tennessee loves in the locker room, big locker room leader. He was on the leadership council as a sophomore. The kid is like a, talking to a 40-year-old um, when you just have a conversation with him. He's so mature. And um, I would just be shocked. I think a lot of this is posturing for NIL, um, you know, and, and rightfully so. Like, you know, I mean, like all these other kids do it. I'm not gonna hate on the kid for doing it. It's the business you you, you currently are in. So um, you know, for my liking, you know, I, I would I would be shocked, uh, but not stunned, um, if uh, you know, you know, Dylan Sampson wasn't back in orange.
3: I I think the whole I think the whole Instagram social media stuff is a real slippery slope and in, in, in a in a way you gotta be careful about. Um, with, with your branding, if you're a player and I, and I'm not saying Dylan Sampson's done anything wrong, but those things can get tired after a while. Right. Like, like if you, if you go and and you, you know, you, you feel like you're worthy of board then you go have the conversation with the powers that be, I think the whole navigating and creating that rumor out there or, or whatever you know, this is the second one this year. Okay. I mean, you had the whole tiger in a cage thing that he did or the, the the cage. Cage, you know, whatever in the cage. And now you've done another one. Uh, I mean, I think that, I think if I were advising a college player, I think you have to be real careful with how much of that stuff that you do, because I don't think it's the best selling point for your brand um if you're if you're airing all the, trying to air something or you're trying to create leverage through a public forum like that, I, I don't think you have to do that. Um and, and so I think that's where a lot of guys,
1: and not just Dylan Sampson, but I think a lot of guys out there have to be careful, right? I don't think I don't like, think you I don't think yeah. you have to either, Hover. Like I, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. I don't think you have to either. Like I don't think you have to do that publicly. I think you could have easily just went to, you know, the powers that be and said, Look, what, look at my production, look at the other guys' production you know, NIL needs to be more on par with, you know, what the other guys and, and, and not just Tennessee, but other places are getting paid and, and what it's probably almost always, always going to get done. Right. Hubs. I mean, like
3: I, but if they, but I mean, if you're a good enough player and they, and you, and you've got leverage, they want you back. Sure. But I mean, it's the whole Rob, it's the whole, he took all of his. He took all of his, you know, images <laughs> down of him and his, and his, and his, at his school, what does it mean? I just, I think that's a tired deal. For, for, I think that becomes a real tired deal for everybody really quickly. Um, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm just saying some of those guys, you, you could be better, you, you would be better served to avoid some of that stuff, in my opinion, because I don't think it ultimately helps you from a popularity standpoint.
2: I, I don't either, but I'm a, I'm very clearly a different generation. I, I don't you know. Do. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know how his peers view that. I mean, to me, I mean, and, and I, not just Dylan Samson, but I, I think when kids do that, I think it makes them look, immature. And I, and I just think they're probably making quick decisions when, when they're frustrated, um, you know, about, about something generally, you know, and and usually play in time.
0: All right. So tracking Dylan Sampson rumors already, and that didn't even take 24 hours till the end of the football game. It's going to be a wild and wacky couple weeks to come. The portal officially opens on December the 4th, who will go in from Tennessee, who will Tennessee try to get from the portal, needs uh some of these COVID seniors all that and more plus signing days coming up in a couple weeks and uh, there's no better place to you know follow all the craziness than right here at volquest.com special deal happening right now limited time only a couple hours one dollar one month 50 percent off your first year of annual subscription follow the silly season with us here at volquest.com and don't miss a thing more to come here on the volquest podcast but first a quick word from our friends title sponsors of the show exterior home solutions It's one of those phone calls that you hate to get from your kids. Hey dad, a tree fell on my house. Well, we got that call a couple of weeks back from our daughter at her house here. And the first call that I made was to exterior home solutions. The peace of mind that they gave me and us as a family when they came out here and came up with a plan, got us connected with the right people is absolutely priceless. Use the same people that I use in that time of need exterior home solutions. As always, thank you to Exterior Home Solutions for being with us here today and helping us make this podcast possible. Um, let's talk COVID seniors here to, to get back into the podcast. Those players who have a decision, can they come back? Will they go to the NFL or will they move on in life? Let's start with some injured guys first, all right? And a lot of this is TBD, but let's kind of set the table here. Brent Hubbs, you got wide receiver Brew McCoy. You have linebacker Keenan Peely. Uh, kind of what what's the... What's the word on two of those guys that would be huge additions back to Tennessee?
3: Well, I think with Brew McCoy, Austin, it, it's going to be a, a, a twofold thing. One, I think it's very clear. He enjoys his time in Knoxville and enjoys his time at, at Tennessee has really found comfort and uh, a lot of happiness at Tennessee. He's got great friendships with teammates. And I think he likes the area much better than he even thought he would when he transferred here. This is all going to be about where is he health wise? How far along is he? Is he, is he going to be close enough to near hundred percent that he thinks he can help himself working out? Or does he feel like, Hey, I've got a quarterback who can get me the ball uh, and I need another year to help my stock. And, and, you know, because, and I'm not, not, that's not a knock on Joe, but I mean, he's thrown with Nico, right? I mean, it's not like Tennessee's breaking in a guy where everybody go, everybody on the roster is going, well, they're bringing in a transfer. I don't know if I, I you know, I'm saying like he knows who his quarterback would be at Tennessee, which I think is a comfort for him to kind of help his stock. To me, it's all about where that ankle is and and
1: where he's at from a physical standpoint over the course of the next six, seven weeks. Oh, listen, I mean, you know, Brew had yet to decide on Tennessee when we taped the Nico, um, you know, interview. Like, you know, he he was going to be coming out in the spring. And, uh, you know, I remember, you know, telling Nico at the time, I think Brew may end up at Tennessee. And that was a big thing for Nico. Like, I mean, he he clearly really liked Brew from his time at USC because he was around it, living out there in long beach. So I think, you know, getting, you know, potentially brew here uh, for another year would be big for Nico. Just like, I think just having several pieces that could come back, you know, on the offensive side of the ball back helps the, your young quarterback. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, I don't think it's anything's done. I think there's a real chance that brew could come back, but I think you'll find out, you know, that decision in the next two weeks or so we'll kind of see where it goes. And uh, as for Keenan Peely, you know, I mean, you know, I, We taped this on monday and so like i I do believe that uh, there's a strong chance keenan peely comes back for another season on rocky top
0: kind of on that same injury front uh you know i I don't want to bury the lead here we'll talk cooper in a moment but a lot of scrimmage defensive line offensive line let's stay on the offensive side uh javante spragans unfortunate injury there towards the end of the season i think that would you hate to see that but i think that would almost kind of help tennessee's chances of maybe getting him back and then your tackles. I mean, where are your tackles at right now? Dane Davis is going to come back. Gerald Mincy was playing on one leg towards the end of the year. John Campbell missed some time. Uh, at this time, is it? it's kind of like wait and see, but what do we think about these offensive linemen not named Cooper Mays?
1: Well, I think you have to throw Cooper in. I, 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 okay. I said this on The Nation. I will continue to reiterate this. I, I get he didn't go through senior day. I think he will be back. I would lean heavily to him being back, but I do not think this is some given, okay? I think a lot of these kids, all the ones you just named, all the defensive linemen you're going to name when we talk about them next, are all going to be dictated by NIL. Like they're, you know, they want to get paid. Like, and that's the that's where you're at with any old person or older kid than your old person. Like they're 70, an older kid, experienced kid on a football team across America, they're going to want to get you know you know kind of one last cash in because they don't know what the NFL. Like if you're getting back sixth, seventh undrafted free agent you don't know what your future holds. And so if you choose to come back, you want to get paid. Well, there's only so much money to go around. I mean, like, I think Tennessee, again, is in really good shape from an NIL standpoint. But even then, like, you know, you're talking like big money for a lot of these guys because they think, okay, hey, I need, you know, what it would be like the NFL minimum and you know stuff like that. And, like, that's kind of, you know, a little bit far-fetched, right, However, Oh, know, well, yeah. yeah I, mean, doing I... That with, to think you're doing that with, you know – 15 kids. Cause you know, you, you, got several of them that could come back. So like, I think I look around and I wonder, is there going to be somebody out of this group that could come back? Offensive line, defensive line, not like the John Campbell, cause he already transferred in, uh, unless he can graduate and can do it again. Um, Or maybe he was a grad transfer in Miami. I forget. Either way. Like do any of these kids see what happened with Amari McNeil? Amari McNeil, when got his NIL money, he led Colorado in sacks. He was on a four and 18 and uh, you know, Barry Alexander went and got his NIL money from USC, made, you know, near a million dollars to win seven games. Like, winning, like, just isn't that important to some of these kids anymore when they can go get, you know, some money. And so, like, I just wonder, is there somebody amongst this group that does it? And I don't know that there is. I'm just saying, like, I think that's something you have to ponder when you're looking at this group.
3: Well, I think you have to ponder that. I think the other thing you have to ponder, too, is – are our places schools collectives are they in a situation now that we're a couple years into this thing that not everybody can leverage right that that right. that you that you call somebody's
1: bluff. that you
3: call somebody's bluff on it if you will as as I was told a long time ago you know if you threaten to leave you better have a place to land before you threaten to leave your job because they might tell you to get gone right and, and so i think are, are we getting to a point in this cycle, not just at Tennessee, but around the country where some schools literally tell a good player, a productive player who's asking for, you know, a financial, you know, number that doesn't equate and they say, hey, you know, we can't match it. Good luck. You know what I'm saying? We haven't seen a whole lot of that around the country. Okay. We've seen it some, right. We we saw it with the kid from Pittsburgh who went and played at, at USC and, uh Bear Alexander did that this year. But but you look at it, there's a lot of places where guys have gotten what and they've what they've asked for at their current school. Do we get to a point where some people go, No, you know, we're we're not we're we're just not gonna be able to we're not gonna be able to pay that kind of money. That that's just not realistic money. So I think it's becoming a little bit more of a true negotiation thing uh as we move forward through this around the country. And we'll see what that looks like. Not just at Tennessee, but at a lot of places.
1: And, and much like the recruiting process, you have third-party, you know, Influence. influences yeah. that push kids to leap. Yeah, you can do better, man. you They don't treat They don't respect you. You can do better. And then that person puts a kid in a tough spot. He goes somewhere else, and the grass isn't always greener. Like, I see that in recruiting every year. I think you're starting to see that more with the transfer portal because these kids listen to these influences that – you know, yeah, they think they have their kid, the kid's best interests at heart, but do they really? And so, like, I, I think that that's a real issue as well um across college football.
2: And but then you I, also, I was gonna say, you you also hear stories about you know whatever the said number was didn't it, you know at the end of the day that didn't materialize. I mean, I, I've heard, I mean, I, I'm sure you guys have too, heard multiple instances of you know school X promised me this and. You know, I got. I ended up getting half of it because you know how legally binding. You know, we're the, we're in a real gray area still. I mean, how legally binding are and, you know? You know that happened
1: stuff. to us here at Volquest. I mean, Paul came to us years ago, said he had a big offer. We kind of bid in on it the first year. He came back the second year, and hub said, "Get going, Paul. Get going." <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, it,
3: it is. I mean, Eric, when you look at it and all the things we've just talked about over the course of the last three or four minutes here. I, it's a challenging time to be a college football coach. Now, listen, they make good money and I'm not, I'm not on the deal. Yeah. Like, oh, I'll take that
1: challenge for 9 oh, million
3: dollars. They're, you know, they're so underpaid because of all the stress they've got to do. I mean, I, listen, I, I'm not saying any of them are living a hard life, but man, you're making some pretty quick decisions. And sometimes that decision may be out of your hands to the degree about what your roster looks like um going in from one year to the next i mean it's a very different world for college coaching right now you better have a ceo mindset because if you don't have a ceo mindset it's going to be a real challenge i think to to manage things at the big time schools now you got some other places like i mean dave dorn's going to lose what four or five starters it looks like uh, you know quality players because they don't have any money you know he's out there begging people publicly for money essentially you got some places like that but then the other places where you have some funds you got some real decisions to make I mean you got to be a true CEO it, it is not it is not the college football that these guys got into a, in the coaching business years
0: ago yeah I mean you're seeing that with uh, w- with the baseball team over there as well I mean it's just a feeder program you know NC State with Cannon Peebles this off season and then Tommy tanks the year before so yeah you got to have a CEO mindset I thought the month of June, was, I mean, it is, I'm not saying it's not, but I thought the month of June was so taxing on coaches. I was like, man, you know, being around them, seeing how they just haven't had any sleep whatsoever from doing these camps and official visits and all that type of stuff. And I'm like, man, I would not want to do that. Then you throw in December now with everything going on. I mean, you see the best coaches and, and successful programs around the country. You know, They, they had that CEO type mindset, and that's what you need, as you mentioned. Uh, Talked about the offensive line. We don't have to go specifically and everything. Just throw out some names that could have just, what's up, Austin?
1: Before we go any further. Hover, any word on on Jaden Tate uh, at NC State. Is is he is he potentially one of those guys that could be bought away by another school? I don't know, AP. I don't think so. That was a shining moment as a as a journalist. Go on,
3: continue, Eric. <laughs> nobody needs to know. Nobody needs to be reminded of that day where, where Austin drug me for for whatever. Go ahead, Eric. Continue on. Let's go with the things people care about. <laughs>
0: Offensive lineman names were mentioned out there. Of course, the defensive line names that we'll be paying attention to, Amari Thomas, Omar Norman Lott, Bryson Easton, Elijah Simmons, uh, Karat Garland's out of eligibility. Um, Even guys in the secondary that I kind of forget about, Tamari McDonald, Wesley Walker, uh, those guys, you know, could theoretically come back and and play some more. Gabe Judy Lolly, Danico Slaughter. I mean, there's just so many. So, obviously, a lot to be paying attention to over the next couple of weeks. Uh, let's kind of set. I know we're, we're running towards the end, and we don't have to get super deep, down deep into it because we got to save some content for the rest of the off season. Um, portal needs, Rob. Absolute portal needs. Where Tennessee should attack in the portal when it officially opens. I think the conversation starts tied in, offensive line, and then you kind of go from there. But those would be the two biggest for me. Oh. Uh. And the mute button got it. Thirty-one minutes. Oh, and they got 30,
2: 30 minutes in, almost made it. <laughs> but t- tight end. I mean, tight end just jumps out. I mean, yeah, when you, when you think about Jacob Ward and 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 McCallen, and you know everybody. We all we all think Ethan Davis is, is is a great looking prospect, but you know he battled injuries and you know didn't kind of a wasted freshman year. I'm mean, not saying that he still he still may be great. I'm saying we don't know, and we, that's also the only other scholarship tight end on your roster, so that's a no brainer. Um, there, you know the the portal stuff we're just talking about with the offensive line could could impact your needs, but you got to think adding some tackle bodies is a priority.
3: Yeah, offensive tackles in the portal going to be the most expensive purchase um, nil wise that there is out there, um, with the exception of quarterback, uh, because everybody's looking for an offensive tackle. Uh, I think part of the depth of that need on the offensive line for this year in terms of the portal is going to be. Um, who, who out of this group comes back, you know, and that gets back to the challenges of this month. I mean, you're going to need some quick decisions from some guys, you know, I mean, you can't, this thing can't drag out for three weeks or, you know, I, I'm going to decide around Christmas or first of the year. I mean, that puts you in a tough spot in some decision-making things. So, you know, if you lose all the interior defensive alignment, you're going to need a defensive lineman um you know in the portal so some of the portal needs depend on what some of these COVID guys do which you better have a pretty quick handle on with those guys there's a lot to get done this week if you're Josh Heupel and and Tennessee to try to figure out what's realistic and what's not about those COVID guys coming back
0: AP exit interviews for Josh Heupel players position coaches players ongoing right now this week and then Uh, as we wrap things up, kind of set the scene here for the next couple of weeks in recruiting, signing day, three weeks away, coaches will leave, go out and evaluate in-home visits coming up and anything big recruiting wise this week, or at least here at the beginning of the week.
1: Yeah. You know, you're right. The exit interview started on Monday. Um, and, and you know, this is a dead week as far as recruiting. Um, and coaches can start getting out on the road on Friday, uh, December 1st. So, you know, where are the coaches December 1st? I think that'll tell you a, uh, a lot about kind of you know where they you know like are they out in utah are they are they if they're out in utah then <clears throat> i think that tells you a pretty good sign on roger Celia um you know they're going to you know set up the big in home with jordan seaton and his whole family um you know tennessee will continue to swing hard at the juco defensive lineman it sounds like elias williams is going to stick with missouri and um you know so you know tennessee's going to need to kind of figure something out on those defensive line, you got all those guys that could come back. But, you know, the last couple of years, Tennessee hadn't signed an abundance of high school defensive linemen, and that's got to kind of get figured
0: out as well. All right, so a lot happening right here, and there's no better place to follow everything Tennessee football recruiting, transfer portal, COVID seniors bowl destination. This time next week, we'll know exactly where Tennessee's going and start breaking down that matchup. Tennessee against who? Potential bowl opt-outs. So much going on, and you can follow it all at VolQuest.com right now. Silly season is upon us. $1 for one month, 50% off your first year of annual subscription. That's happening right now. The deal is going to run out later today. So if you're listening, if you're watching, take advantage of this right now so you don't miss a thing over at VolQuest.com. Big thanks as always to our presenting sponsors, Exterior Home Solutions. If you need roofing, siding, windows, or a garage, contact Exterior Home Solutions today. They've been local, they've been trusted since 1999. That phone number 865 524 5888. You can visit them online at the website, exteriorhomesolutions.com. For awesome price, Rob Lewis, Brent Hubs. I am Eric Kane. Thanks so much for listening to us here on the Ball Quest Podcast. You've been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest.